0: What's up guys, this is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I wanted to read you this article today that really caught my attention. The article is entitled, How to Biohack Your Intelligence with Everything from Sex to MDMA. And this article is not by me, this is by an interesting Russian fellow named Serge Figo, I think is how you pronounce his last name. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. I'm not even going to try proper Russian accent or pronunciation of names. Sorry. This is an impressive character. Listen to his bio here. Serge is a serial entrepreneur, extreme biohacker, and CEO of Mir AI. Previously, he founded Ostrovuk. Russia's largest online travel company with 500 million in turnover. While he raised 50 million in capital and the led the company to EBITDA profitability and over 300 employees. Before that, he founded Tookbox, a leading B2B video communication company, with $50 million ARR that was funded by Sequoia Capital. He has also worked at Google and studied at Cornell and Stanford GSB. And so this was a guy who had gone through the Y Combinator. And before I get into this article, I thought you guys might be interested to hear about kind of the the mindfulness strategy that I'm approaching a task that I have today. So today, I need to get a important proposal out. It's a little bit longer, a little bit more important than the average email that I have to send out. I want it to be highly persuasive, right? So I've been working on this particular email for about two days now, and I am just about ready to hit the send button on it. But... I kind of want to give my default mode network, my uh, unconscious, if you will, the opportunity to give me any other good ideas to include in this email that needs to be persuasive. And so, I, like I said, I've written most of the uh, most of it, and I am going to read this article now, and then up probably lay down and do like 15 minutes of meditation to just kind of clear my mind, give the unconscious capacity, all that uh, decision-making and all that data that is there below the surface, the chance to filter back up and give me any other good ideas for inclusion in my email that I want to be so persuasive. And then what I'm actually going to do at that point is I will use a application that I have called Boomerang, which is attached to my Gmail account, to my email client. And what that does is that allows me to hit the send button, but do it with a two hour delay. And when you, I, I love this feature, especially for important emails, because a lot of times you've got an important email that you send out and then you realize Five minutes later, an hour later, whatever, that there was something else that you could have included in it that would have made it just a bit better. And that's why I pay, I think, $49 a year for this, this boomerang app, because it gives me that opportunity where basically any email that's at all important, I give it like an hour to two hour delay going out. And from time to time, I'll think up something that I should, that I should include in it. Anyways. Let's get into Serge's article here. It's a little bit long. I'll encourage you to listen to it at least until the the section of it that he starts, that he talks about his sex and dating life, because it's uh well, actually I think he has a bit of a an anti dating life. It's it's kind of interesting. He has a funny approach to it that that I think you might appreciate, especially especially if you're uh, if you're a man, uh, a straight male (laughs) like me and Serge. Okay. Intro. This is Now Surge. I had some free time over the holidays and wrote this article to showcase, on the basis of a personal story, many highly actionable science based approaches and tools that can be used to significantly enhance intelligence. In my case, these include legal and illegal drugs, using sex as a biohacking tool, drinking ketone esters, using beta blockers or testosterone to gain advantage in negotiations, eating once a day, and a lot more. Uh, Just a precursor, this story contains some R-rated approaches to biohacking. We published it because we want readers to be informed of what's actually happening in the technology industry so proceed at your own risk perhaps this is uh, not safe for work listening background of surge i'm a cliche silicon valley techie russian stanford y combinator started a large and successful companies working in artificial intelligence now Doing the mirror emoji keyboard, which I'll check out later. Basically using the popularity of emoji as a backdoor into building the most powerful face perception AI in the world. Whoa. In my previous article, I did t- detailed how as a 32-year-old with no medical problems, I spent $200,000 on enhancing my health. Thousands of tests, medical teams, dozens of prescription drugs. I openly posted all of my data. It shows many health benefits, a 3 to 4x reduction in body fat, very high athletic performance, VO2 max, over 70 negligible inflammatory processes, and a greater than 80% increase in testosterone, and improvements to many biomarkers of aging, biohacking, works. The article became extremely popular and reached millions of readers. Many of you loved it. Many of you felt anger and fear. Aggressive bioenhancement of human abilities has long been a sci-fi dream slash nightmare. And if you read the previous article, here is concrete evidence and a lot of data that show it is already working. I think that what we are doing with biohacking is the beginning of humanity split into separate species. Enhanced post-humans will make all the decisions and will likely come from the tech communities of Silicon Valley and China. Basic humans who will maybe be taken care of well, but will have no real say in what happens. The reason this cataclysmic shift is coming, intelligence can already be enhanced. Part one, intelligence, wealth, and power. And he's got some very cool graphics to go along with this article. You, you should go and give this article a gander over on Medium. I'll link to it below this podcast, of course. What is Intelligence. Let's use the definition the wonderful Professor Max Tegmark from MIT uses in his new and highly recommended book, which is Life 3.0. Intelligence equals ability to accomplish complex goals. Intelligence is applied and multidimensional. Intelligence is much more than just IQ or skill at mathematics. The above definition is critical to understanding this article. Reread it a couple of times. So, intelligence equals ability to accomplish complex goals. Intelligence is applied and multidimensional. Intelligence is much more than just IQ or at mathematics. Okay, there are many applications of intelligence, but if we drill down... There is a set of intellectual abilities essential to nearly all complex human goals. These could be broken into classical intelligence, which would be logic, problem-solving, creativity, strategy. Second is applied intelligence. Energy, focus, willpower, emotional control. Third is social intelligence persuasiveness, empathy, and social skills. Fourth is dynamic intelligence, ability to learn, memory, and knowledge. Intelligence will refer to these universally useful intellectual abilities going forward. We can talk about those of us who have them as smart and those who do not as stupid, This will piss some of you off, but it really is time we stop pretending that we are all equally smart. Yes, agreed. That sounds nice and PC, but the claim that everyone has roughly the same ability to achieve complex goals is patently false. That's right. I recall many a night on the salsa dance floors of Columbia, when my ability to dance was just uh, so clearly below what the ability is of the the native people of that fine country. Intelligence varies massively between individuals for many reasons. IQ is 50 to 80% genetic, while I would argue other types of intelligence are mostly environmental. Intelligence develops within one individual over their lifetime and never stops changing. And intelligence fluctuates massively within one individual with biochemical changes. Ooh, that last one is important. That means that it can be biohacked, right? If that last part isn't obvious, test your ability to accomplish complex goals after not sleeping at all. While you have the flu, right after having an intense argument, or drinking 10 shots of espresso. So why is intelligence enhancement going to split humanity into separate species? Again, that's an extraordinary claim, right? Let's start with a silly story. Imagine there is only one way to make money in the world. Running marathons. All of us are running them every day. Imagine further that all marathons of the world are rapidly uniting into one. The share of the money going to winners is increasing, and the lifespan over which winners can compete is also increasing. These trends are expected to continue. Over the last 30 years, a bunch of expensive new doping drugs and technologies appeared that are undetectable, healthy, and give a big advantage at running. Moreover, in the next 30 years, a lot more such drugs will appear. They will be expensive. Only those of us who are already winning will be able to afford them. We are starting to see some of us talk about how much better we run with all these drugs. 50 years from now, this world will very clearly be owned by people who dope their running skills daily. How is this relevant to enhancing our intelligence? The above is exactly what the world looks like today. We just need to replace marathon running with intelligence. Here's why. There exist a number of medical and lifestyle interventions that can significantly enhance everyday intelligence. Modafinil, SSRI, microdoses, MDMA, hormone signaling, optimal sleep, mitochondria, enhancing exercise, isolation from addictive news slash social media, and lots of other things. Things. Many of these interventions are complex, expensive, demand willpower, do not deliver easy re- rewards, are dangerous if done wrong, which is why greater than 99% of us could be decades late in adopting them. Greater applied intelligence resulting from these interventions directly creates significant financial, social, psychological, I'm sorry, physiological health, and intellectual wealth. Life is so easy when we are always full of energy, extremely persuasive, and able to focus. This wealth can be reinvested into further enhancements of intelligence, creating an upward spiral of wealth. The return on investment loop will A, increase with accelerating progress in biotechnology, B, provide greater comparative advantage as the world gets more competitive, and C, compound over decades and greatly enhance lifespans. Here's a related quote from Facebook billionaire Sean Parker. You remember him. Justin Timberlake from the Facebook movie. We will live much longer, more productive lives. Because I'm a billionaire, I'm going to have access to better healthcare. So I'm going to be like 160 and I'm going to be a part of this like class of immortal overlords. Laughter, because you know the Warren Buffett expression about compound interest. Give us billionaires an extra hundred years, and you'll know what true wealth disparity looks like. Whoa! And then there's a graph showing the uh, showing income uh, quintiles over time. Income is already driving biological inequality. I'll say that again. Whoa. Income is already driving biological inequality and more of it, more of it with every year. From the stats above, we can speculate that men born in 1985 and the top 1% of income already have a life expectancy of at least 95 to 100. For women, this number is even higher, even before biohacking or the massive progress in biotechnologies anticipated in the coming decades. To be certain of living to 100, those of us who are well off and into basic health just need to pay attention to the data. These trends feel unstoppable and may, and may even accelerate. And with respect to intelligence enhancements, once you fall off that train, you will never get back on. Moving forward, part two is the framework for boosting intelligence. Start with the goal, key point. You can't be intelligent if you don't know what you want. Okay. If we read all the tactics below without considering goals, we can be left with the impression that Serge is basically saying, mine is the one true path. Everyone needs to copy me and have sex with models in swing clubs while sipping Clomid ketone smoothies. I optimize my intelligence towards my specific 50-year goal to build one of the platform companies that give us the singularity to help make us immortal post-human gods that cast off the limits of our biology and spread across the universe. Whoa, that's that's a lot to to take in. We don't have uh, we don't all have the same goal but we should accept that the above is indeed my goal and i find it incredibly meaningful much more so than wasting my life on buying yachts and jets having children or giving to charities the framework below is designed to enhance our intelligence And get us whatever we want. But you need to know precisely what that is. And I can't help you figure that out. I want to be a god. (laughs) Okay. Start with applied intelligence. Key point. If you can't focus, you are really, really fucking stupid. Always start with AI. That would be applied intelligence, not the the thing that Surge wants to invent that'll take over the universe. AI would be energy, focus, willpower, etc. This is the engine we use to power everything else. This means learn to get into high energy, deep flow state every day. Key interventions for this are fix sleep, do intermittent fasting, get hormones to optimal levels, use modafinil, build the right trigger slash habits and have high quality deep downtime deep downtime i've never heard that that catchy phrase before we'll learn more i'm sure secondly is ruthlessly remove everything that prevents or interrupts our flow states key interventions make ourselves immune to stress meditation lithium ssris eliminate distractions remove news social media procrastination triggers Build the right habits over time. We will dig into all these tools a bit later in the article. Every time we successfully get into deep flow, we adapt. It becomes easier next time. Every time we we procrastinate, flow becomes harder. A sign that we are smart is if we manage to get five to eight hours of totally focused, truly deep, uninterrupted work with no procrastination wow yeah how many people can say that they that they get that daily and still have time and energy for gym friends travel music sports sleep meditation etc all of which we are able to be deeply engaged in this is feasible in december i managed this on 23 days, took three days off completely and got disrupted down to zero to three hours of deep work for five days for various reasons that can be pruned further. This level of deep work is easy to maintain, but extremely hard to get to. We are very distractible and the world is very distracting. A clear sign that we are stupid is if we do not read new books, take poor care of our health, rarely have deep conversations with friends, do not not learn new skills because we are too busy. Although at the end of the day, it is hard to write down precisely what valuable progress we have achieved with our busyness. In this case, We are not actually busy. We are stupid. The good news is that we can become smarter. This is the part when you write outrage comments about how your job slash children prevent you from deep work. Suggestion, find one hour of deep work a day. Use it to learn a new skill, graphic design, coding, whatever. Change your job, hire a nanny to help with children, invest the time you need to free up more deep work. This is a gradual upward cycle of increasing intelligence. Those of us who feel that the above is too long and hard and want something easier will simply remain stupid. High applied intelligence lets us be the captains of our lives. Invest time and energy into building intellectual wealth. So we'll find out what intellectual wealth means here. Key points, daily focus plus biohacking equals extreme intelligence. If we do a great job out of applied intelligence, we will have an enormous resource of energy and focus time. That, we can speculate, only uh, top 1% of us will ever achieve. The question is what to invest into. Key candidates would be further enhancements to applied intelligence. Obsessively thinking about the reasons we did not hit our deep work goals and fixing them. Remember, this is the engine that powers everything else. Call distracted you. Turn on. Do not disturb. Laptop discharge. Carry a battery. Brain dead after lunch don't have lunch, couldn't get back into flow after a 10 a.m. meeting, don't have meetings till the afternoon, and so on ad infinitum. Social intelligence. Knowing how to persuade others boosts our intelligence far more than book smarts do. And it is extremely biohackable. Meditation, MDMA, higher testosterone, beta blockers, SSRIs, these things can enhance our body language, make us confident, calm, empathic, and self-aware. This presses all the buttons of persuasion in other humans. Plus, our vast, deep work resource can be put to practicing body language in front of a mirror, reading the right books, writing persuasive articles, high... Um, SI, that's social intelligence, is a superpower that makes life easy. And it is far more powerful than high IQ. The world just bends to accommodate what we want. I recall in Jordan Harbinger's podcast, he had the Art of Charm podcast for the longest time. He said that there is an invisible game going on around you at any time. And this is the game of the social dynamics and the unseen social value exchanges that are happening in between people. And if you really want to get ahead in business, if you really want to get ahead in uh, life, love, politics of whatever scale, then you want to focus on this, on the social intelligence skills and, and life is not exactly this, this uh, open market meritocracy of the hardest working, most skilled person. Social intelligence is something that has extremely high leverage for getting you forward. Next, let's talk about dynamic intelligence or learning to learn plus classic intelligence, which is IQ. We can probably directly boost these things known to enhance neuroplasticity and adult neurogenesis. Nutrients and supplements like magnesium, choline, EPA, DHA, curcumin, or Bacopi monieri, meds like SSRIs and lithium, meditation, and any other stress reduction. Making sleep, extremely good, intermittent fasting, interval training, LSD, or psilocybin. Modafinil is known to safely and directly enhance cognitive ability. More importantly, decades of high artificial intelligence enable us to constantly learn new complex skills and ideas, make us smarter because we train our brains, and make enhancing all this an easy everyday habit. For example, Last month, I spent several days reading the exceptional Persuasion by Robert Cialdini, who is the guru of persuasion. Winslow took notes, applied ideas to a public talk on biohacking the following week, distilled the core concepts in a long recommendation review for friends. This book became a mental model for human behavior. Many of its takeaways help make this article extremely persuasive. This is one of the many things deep work lets us do. Truly understand, internalize, and apply complex new ideas. In the last year, I read 40 plus books and took eight online classes. Learned to code, Started a new company that's the Mirror Emoji Keyboard, raised the highest valuation Q1 seed round in Silicon Valley, and launched a highly rated product that may well create material financial wealth. Wrote biohacking articles that reached millions of readers and helped meet amazing like minded leaders in Silicon Valley. Slept eight and a half hours on average, proof pick in the sleep section. And worked out every week and meditated every other day, made amazing new friends, went on awesome drug trips, and had great sex and lived all over the world feeling truly happy. Wow. And excited about continuing this growth trajectory every year for decades. But let's compare with 5 to 10 years ago. I was unhappy, unproductive, fat, 27% body fat carried forward in life by some combination of luck, total denial, and extreme ambition. I was pretty stupid, and I'd never admit it back then to others or myself, but my life fucking sucked. Suicidal thoughts appeared a couple of times. Luckily, never in a serious way. The point here is, Biohacking can significantly enhance our lives. Let's use all the medical technology we can to get to enhance our intelligence. Start now. Reinvest all of it over years and decades into building intellectual, financial, social, and physiological wealth. Utilize the new technology that is coming. We will get to achieve everything we want. Lead the future. Be healthy and happy. And part three here is actionable intelligence enhancers. If you want a health-focused discussion, read the previous article. This one will mention some of the other things. Stuff that makes us healthy is mostly the same stuff that makes us intelligent. But this article is written specifically with the purpose of helping all of us enhance our intelligence. There is another deeper, more interesting reason why I spent all the time writing this, which will become obvious by the end. Got a nice, nice hook point there. Disclaimer, do not mindlessly copy this. I do most of these things with a team of medical doctors with decades of medical experience led by Peter Attia, one of the top health optimization doctors in the world. If you read some of his articles on heart disease prevention, cholesterol, how ketosis enhances athletic performance... And why whether you are fat is not truly about calories, you will appreciate the depth of thinking that goes into our decisions. Peter and his team really go after any of their recommendations with the same level of tenacity and dedication. In particular, we do thousands of tests and know that our interventions do not carry much risk for me, but all of us have different bodies. For example, I have kidney function with EGFR of greater than 160 in the top 1% of 30-year-olds, whereas you might not. This means your risks may be higher, so be cautious. Again, I am just a guy from the internet, not your doctor, I am not responsible for your health, and I'm not telling you to follow my advice blindly. Let's move on to part 3.1. Applied intelligence, energy, and focus. Sleep. Key point, If you sleep less than eight hours or go to sleep at inconsistent times, you are fucking yourself, making yourself stupid, and helping yourself get Alzheimer's. If anyone wants all the science, go look into this book. It references hundreds of studies, many of which the author, the doctor of the UC Berkeley Sleep Lab and one of the world's leading sleep neuroscientists performed himself. Here we will list just the highlights. Even minor sleep deprivation, sleeping six to seven hours, circadian shift, changing sleep time by one to two hours a day from one night to the next, or reduction in deep NMERM or ERREM sleep, reduce our intelligence in the following ways. Applied intelligence, severely lowered emotional... Control, stress resilience, willpower, and focus. Significant increase in procrastination. Have you procrastinated lately, buddy? Maybe it has something to do with your sleep. Hormonal misregulation. With consequences like worsened mood and lower energy. And smaller testicle size. Yes, really. See the chart above. The more you sleep, the better your hormones Get significantly reduced immunity, more sickness, uh, less productivity. They tested this by giving people rhinoviruses and depriving some of them of sleep for science. Intelligence, dynamic intelligence, significantly worsened ability to remember what you learned the prior day and worsened ability to learn the next day. Classical intelligence, significantly worsened cognition and ability to see creative, non-trivial solutions. Social intelligence, there are actual experiments showing sleep-deprived people are less able to read facial expressions, are rated less attractive and persuasive, etc. And worsened clearance of waste from brain occurs in NREM. Accumulation of Alzheimer's causing proteins, permanent damage to sleep enabling centers, further sleep degradation, we are fucked. I have a grandma with Alzheimer's, and I would personally cryofreeze myself the second there were any indication I had it. If cryofreezing were not an option, I would prefer to die. Whoa, that bad. Plus, on top of the things that make us stupid above, we have worsened insulin resistance, cancer, cardiovascular disease, car crash risk, athletic performance, etc. I don't have the time to link all the studies, but it is in the book. Besides, pretty sure most of us will know the above to be true from personal experience. I, for one, feel like a moron in the afternoon after... Under sleeping, In other words, sleep is a major opportunity for intelligence enhancement. It impacts many other things. And for most of us, sleep quality is poor. First, a bit of important theory. And I'll add to that. If you think that you're a good sleeper, if you're like, hey, I, I sleep all right. I get my eight hours in. Let me ask you this. Do you feel tired in the mornings like it's understandable to feel tired for a few minutes after waking up but do you feel tired for hours do you need to get coffee before you feel like you're really awake and let me let me ask you also how often do you wake up in the middle of the night do you uh, do do you wake up and uh, you open your eyes and it's dark in your room and you think oh i'm awake And then maybe you go to the bathroom, but maybe you just lay there bored for a couple of minutes. If so, you have very low quality sleep and there's a lot of room for improvement of this area of your biohacking. First, a bit of important theory. Sleep is driven by two independent functions. Accumulating sleep pressure, that's adenosine, and circadian rhythm. That would be internal clock and melatonin. If these are not in sync with each other, sleep quality declines. Sleep has many different stages. REM, light NREM, deep NREM is a simple classification. The stages have very different functions. They happen in a different order at different times of night and depend on sleep pressure and circadian rhythm are essential. Sleep is not actually a state where you are turned off. It is a stage of very active work throughout the body and brain. What this means is that if we spend seven hours in bed, we sleep probably like six hours, and cut out the last stages of sleep, degrading their unique functions by greater than 80%. If we change our bedtime by two hours from one day to the next, we destroy the early stages of sleep and degrade their unique functions by greater than 80%. Ooh, let me read that again if we change our bedtime by two hours from one day to the next, we destroy the early stages of sleep and degrade their unique functions by 80%. Key point, if you think sleeping six hours or going to sleep two hours later degrades sleep marginally, uh, you may think that sleeping six hours or going to sleep two hours later degrades sleep Marginally, like, hey, that's that's not such a big deal if I uh, stay up an extra two hours because I want to watch a movie or go to a party. Uh, these things actually do severely degrade quality of sleep. So sleeping better means spending more time asleep in the right sleep phases at the right and consistent time of the day. The first thing to do is measure. Peter, other leading health optimizers, and I recommend the Aura Ring. And you can use the code SURGEF to get $100 off their new version. I do not earn a referral fee from this. They kindly offered and I declined. The reason we prefer this particular device is that it gives far more accurate data than all the wristbands. Skin thickness, skin color, and contact tightness are all more favorable on fingers in terms of blood flow analysis. Interesting. I didn't know that. Here are the key things we want. Eight hours of actual sleep per day. This means we spend eight and a half to nine hours in bed. I spend eight and a half in bed on average of which seven minutes and 45, seven hours, 45 seconds is sleep aiming to get to around eight hours, 10 minutes of sleep every day. So nine hours in bed, same sleep time every day. When every day our sleep time shifts by hours, we are effectively living in a permanent state of jet lag. Think about that. This desynchronizes our sleep pressure from our circadian rhythm and destroys certain parts of sleep, especially deep NREM sleep. One to two hours of deep NREM sleep per day. According to data I've seen from Aura, this will be the biggest challenge for most of us. On a median day, I get one hour, 20 20 minutes. Um, aim but am aiming to get to 90 minutes and make it consistently good. I sometimes have unexplained drops down to 20 to 30 minutes plus two hours of REM sleep per day. I get two hours and 45 minutes on average and up to five and a half when I do a lot of mental work. This is very high already. Yeah, that that seems like a lot of REM. And he has a bunch of charts here that are cool. Low stable resting heart rate. We can see the rough reference changes. Everyone quotes for different ages above. I'm around 47 on great days, 56 on bad days, 52 on average, which is excellent. We want this to be low and stable during the night like in the graph above. This indicates highly restful sleep. All this is lifelong, so he's committed to this. To sleep better, pick a sleep time where we spend eight and a half to nine hours in bed and do not shift it by more than 20 minutes a day. This is incredibly hard in modern society and is the number one thing that makes our sleep better. Use blue light blocking glasses for three to four hours before going to sleep. Gunners are good. Plus, lately, I've been using these because they block even more blue light. They do look weird, but we have to decide whether our ego matters more than our health slash intelligence. Do not drink alcohol even a small amount degrades REM sleep, which is the key part of sleep focused on intelligence. Interesting tidbit. The main difference between human and monkey sleep is that humans have more REM. So those of us who drink basically shift our sleep quality to monkey sleep, and we can speculate as to the long-term impacts of that. By the way, those studies about the benefits of red wine are bullshit. Sorry. And then he shows a graph for the half life of caffeine in the average human adult over 48 hours. Next takeaway here do not drink coffee or tea, ooh, not even tea, for nine hours before sleep time, if a fast metabolizer or at all, if a slow metabolizer. Caffeine half-life is surprisingly long. The graph above is average, but 50, and you can figure out uh, if you're a fast metabolizer or slow metabolizer by doing a like 23andMe personal genotyping. You, uh, It's one of those things that you just have to look at your genes to actually figure that out, to figure out if when you consume coffee, if those effects go away relatively quickly, or if the effects of drinking coffee and caffeine are going to stick with you for a whole day, for a whole 24 hours. The graph above is average, but 50% of us, like me, metabolize much slower and 50% metabolize much slower and should not drink caffeine at all. For them, it is associated with major health risks. The distinction is purely genetic and based on a particular gene that he links to. Sleep in cool temperatures, 18 degrees Celsius, 65 degrees Fahrenheit, and try out hot or cold showers before sleep. Low body temperature helps get into deep N-R-E-M sleep. I find that ice showers make me fall asleep very fast. Next, make sure our bedrooms are totally dark and quiet. Use earplugs and sleep masks. Even sounds that do not wake us up actually make our sleep worse. So there's... Some reason to try to pick a place to live that is far away from loud city noises. Exercise improves sleep, but do it greater than three hours before bedtime. Consider not eating heavily for at least three to four hours before bedtime. So presumably you would go to bed at midnight. Usually I go to bed at midnight. That's what I'm aiming for. I think that's going to be my new plan. Go to bed at midnight. And that would mean that I was having uh, I was having dinner around nine and then I was doing a workout at like eight is is the protocol. That that, that may be what I shoot for in the future. Next. Sugar and carbohydrates reduce quality of nrem sleep yet another reason not to eat that shit. do not use sleeping pills they make us lose consciousness but they actually do not make us sleep these are different things whoa you'll have to explain that i've never heard that before consider meditating or otherwise turning off before bed here's the thing like most suggestions in this article the stuff above has compounding benefits Each night of bad sleep permanently damages us and we can never fully recover that damage. Part of the damage is to the apparatus of sleep itself, which over time makes us stupid and ages and kills us. Many of us do not want to make the changes to our social lives, dating, etc. for the sake of sleep. It is a matter of priorities. You want to go to the club or you want to not have Alzheimer's. Mmm, priorities. That's, that's a big debate. That one's tough. At, at different points in my life, I would have certainly chosen different, different ones of those options. Next, stress. It's a killer, right? Do everything possible to lower it. Key point. Stressed out, negative, emotional people basically have long-term brain damage. Constant stress truly hurts everything. It makes cognition worse, drains energy, and even cuts adult neurogenesis and neuroplasticity in our brains. Makes memory crap interferes with hormonal systems. It ages and kills us in many ways. Here are another plus 50 studies on how stress fucks us up. In other words, constant stress makes us fucking stupid. Anything we can do to reduce it is a big win. Here are the specific tools I found useful for this. The SSRI antidepressant escitalopram, I take 10 milligrams a day to boost serotonin. It eliminated bad mood days that used to happen one to two times a month, reduced propensity to react to stress. Life just feels a little better all the time. It is also proven to enhance growth of new neurons in adult brains. Huh, I may look into that. As a nootropic, I don't have experience with it. Escitalopram is extremely safe, even in large doses, especially for me because I have genes that are associated with significantly higher positives and lower negatives of this specific drug. Old antidepressants, which are the MAOIs, are dangerous. Mm -hmm. There are also studies out there that claim even the latest best antidepressants are bad for you. My medical team is skeptical of these studies. The biggest reason is sick cohort bias. These researchers take a bunch of depressed people that are prescribed antidepressants, compare them with people not on antidepressants, while claiming to magically compensate for the fact that the latter group are obviously healthier people and conclude that the AD group has a small difference in some kind of risk and do a you know PR this to the gullible media and this is bullshit, not science and you know marketing for companies that make an obscene amount of money. My doctors take SSRIs themselves and make no money from prescribing them to me, so I trust their conclusions. Next, let's talk about lithium. We get 1 to 3 milligrams of it a day from water. It is prescribed to bipolar disorder patients in doses of 800 to 2,000 milligrams daily. I take 100 milligrams a day, which is 10 to 20x less than the dose known to be safe. Reasons. It is proven to enhance neurogenesis and is associated with a great number of medical benefits. There is a list of greater than 50 studies on its various benefits. Subjectively, it seems to drive a slight increase in my stress resilience. There appears to be no good reason to not be on lithium in this dose range. So, lithium, worth trying. And then there's a cool graphic here of a brain scan 10 minutes after meditation. Meditation. I meditate 30 to 45 minutes every day with a combination of mindfulness and freestyle notation. Meditate in life while doing things from eating to listening to music to sitting on a ski lift. My friends and I have a private Slack community where we keep shared meditation journals and discuss them with a talented meditation coach. My meditation time is unstructured, a habit of meditating when in the back of a car, with a bit of free time, or just when bored. It's a much better use of time than mindlessly browsing the internet. Meditation gets better with time and coaching. Now I'm so good at it that I can dismiss an extremely strong emotion in five minutes just by observing its bodily manifestations. We can be completely non-religious, and do not need to believe in any mystical bullshit that meditation is sadly associated with. There is a large amount of serious scientific evidence that suggests meditation is valuable for everything from neurogenesis to cognition, mood, attention, and disease risk. Here is a collection of 50 studies on this. Once we are good at meditation, it provides very concrete applied hacks we can use. Here are some I use every day. Emotions are sets of specific bodily sensations. Once they manifest... They are reinforced by loops of thoughts about them. So when you want to easily get rid of an emotion like loneliness or anger or self-doubt, you can sit down, find that emotion in your body, pay close attention to it. This breaks the rumination cycle because you aren't thinking and reinforces your self-awareness because you find emotion-driving bodily sensations and then you understand that your self-doubt is merely an itch. I can d- dismiss negative emotions in 30 to 30 seconds to five minutes. They just vanish. I can see myself from the side. I have my eyes open and typing on my laptop, but I can also simultaneously see myself in front of me. This is easier to do with eyes closed, is a trainable skill, and is quite hard. The reason this is useful is that it lets you disassociate from your emotions and ego. You can say to yourself, Why is that guy sitting there annoyed about some work bullshit? He knows very well that various bullshit happens all the time. It is just a regular day. That's fascinating. That would be an interesting skill to try to learn is to be able to see yourself. This is one of these things that uh, different practitioners of all sorts of different religions and uh, spiritual things will describe is that you'll if you do a certain type of meditation correct for long enough you manage to encounter yourself in fact this was mentioned in the stealing fire book there was a a um a hebrew jewish spiritual practice a very esoteric spiritual practice which people would do it for long enough and go through enough of the rituals and then what you're supposed to do is you're actually supposed to be able to meet yourself. You're supposed to be able to, your your own doppelganger will appear to you. And then you get to have a conversation with them, which is, uh, I would assume, very enlightening. Back to the article. And it feels like in meditation, I only just scratched the surface, although I meditated incorrectly for five years it is already easy for me to control my emotions. My goal this year is to get to a point where negative emotions don't even appear. And this is feasible, he thinks so. (laughs) I'm not sure about that. Next, ruthlessly remove negative people from life. There are people who make us happy and energized and inspired, who we absorb new skills from ...who we look forward to seeing. There are others who make us drained... ...who fill us with our own, their own insecurities, fears, and negativities. Even if the latter are our bosses, relatives, friends, spouses... ...we should erase, cease spending time with them. It is not on us to fix other people. Hard enough to fix ourselves... Additionally, I saw material enhancements for stress resistance from things described in other sections. Most importantly, though, were better sleep, sex, MDMA, removal of news slash social media, and hormonal enhancements. Last important point on stress. Our propensity for it is a long-term Thing. Stress and fear increase the size and power of the amygdala, the part of our brain where fear is generated, which in turn makes it easier for us to be stressed and afraid. If we are constantly fearful, stressed, negative, skeptical of others, we are sick in the medical sense that our brain structure is doing something detrimental to us due to long-term damage, and it is detrimental. Lots of scientific evidence for that, Refer to the studies listed above. We can get better, but it takes time and effort. Actively work on keeping stress levels low. It doesn't just make us happier and healthier, it also makes us significantly smarter. And... I'm sorry. I'm gonna make you guys wait until I release the next episode of this podcast to read the second half of this article. The second half includes the the sex stuff that Surge is into. If you really, really want to hear about Surge's uh, rambunctious biohacked sex life, you can go in read his article now. Otherwise, I just encourage you to make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast feed, and I will be finishing my reading of this article. Again, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and I look forward to a continued conversation with you. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.